Good morning. If you would turn to the book of Psalms, Psalm 119, my goal this morning is to encourage you, to challenge you, to motivate you, to take advantage of one of the greatest gifts of grace that God has given us, and that is His Word. I saw someone recently wrote, young people don't read the Bible, and old people read it like they're studying for a final. I laughed at the second part, but I grieved at the first. We are, we're in a culture that's begging for answers. And um, God has given us many of the answers that people are looking for in, in the Word of God. Um, many, many issues that cause so many people confusion, to many of us, don't seem that confusing. Uh, God has provided... Um, the wisdom that we need to navigate these types of, of issues. So, uh, again, I hope this morning that I leave you with a desire to read the Word of God, but also some tools to know how to read the Word of God and to motivate you why you should read the Word of God. Look at Psalm 119. We're going to read verses 1 through 18. <clears throat> How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of God. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. They also do no unrighteousness, they walk in his ways. You have ordained your precepts that we should keep them diligently. Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. Then I shall not be ashamed when I look upon all your commandments. I shall give thanks to you with a brightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I shall keep your statutes. Do not forsake me utterly. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word have I treasured in my heart, that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips I have told of all the ordinances of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies, as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things from your law. Father, many, many years ago, I memorized verse 18. Open thou mine eyes, I might behold wondrous things out of thy law. Lord, I thank you for the wondrous miracle of Scripture. 
Lord, this morning as we look at this passage, as we look particularly at verse 18, but in a bigger picture, as, as we look at the gift that you have given to us, the precious word of God, Lord, I realize some people say, I, I can't understand it. But Lord, I think there is a, a way to understand it. I, I, I think you've given us some tools to help us. But Lord, I, 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 I do pray that, I, and I have seen in, in my experience, as the wisecracker said, uh, that yes, often it's older people who um, have the habit and have the desire to read the word of God and, and not so with younger people. But Lord, it seems to me that the younger people are the ones who are in the most need of, of the wisdom that you provide, of the statutes, of the precepts, Lord, of, of the safeguard that the word is against us sinning. So, Lord, give us all, regardless of age, um, an understanding this morning of what a marvelous, wonderful book this is, I pray. We don't know who wrote Psalm 119, but whoever wrote it loved the Bible. It is the longest psalm. In fact, it is the longest chapter in the Bible. This chapter is longer than many entire books of the Bible, including most of the minor prophets and most of the New Testament epistles. It is a literary masterpiece. The problem is we can't appreciate it because it was originally written in Hebrew. But some of the genius of this chapter does show up in our English translations. There are 22 stanzas of eight verses each. Each stanza follows the Hebrew alphabet. In Hebrew, each line of each stanza begins with a word that starts with the same letter in the Hebrew alphabet. Now, look at your text. Let me explain. <clears throat> Probably above verse 1, your Bible says alf, A-L-E-P-H. That's the Hebrew letter A. In Hebrew, these eight verses would all start with the letter A. You'll see at verse 9, the word Beth. That's the Hebrew word that basically we'd say is a, for us a B. Okay. I believe they're not all that easy to go down here. But in verses 9 through 16, all the verses in Hebrew start with the letter B. Uh, in verse 17, that would be our letter C. Jamel to them. All the verses in 17 through 24 start with the Hebrew letter that we would think of as C, and so on. Verse 25, D. Uh, verse 33, E, etc. So, of these 22, and there were only 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, okay, of these 22 stanzas, each of the eight verses in each stanza starts with a successive letter of the alphabet. Now, obviously, we cannot translate that into English. Um, it, it just doesn't, translation work isn't that simple to mesh, to mesh, to, uh, mesh together. Uh, but nevertheless, this is a tremendous Hebrew poem. Um, 
But let me also show you this. Look at the 18 verses that we read. In these 18 verses, nine different titles are used to describe the Bible. Verse 1, you have the law of the Lord. Verse 2, you have testimonies. Verse 4, you have precepts. Verse 5, you have statutes. Verse 6, you have commandments. Verse 7, you have judgments. Verse 9, you have your word. Verse 13, you have ordinances. Verse 18, you have your law. In fact, in nearly all of the 176 verses in Psalm 119, um, each one of them, nearly each one of them, uses one of these eight descriptors, or nine descriptors. So th even though it's all talking about what we would call the Bible, um, it's referred to in nine different ways, nearly one of those ways in nearly every verse in Psalm 119. Particularly, though, we're going to look at verse 18 to give us a starting point. Verse 18 says, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things from your law. Now, for the sake of my title and what I hope to accomplish this morning, open my eyes is a prayer for illumination. Whoever wrote Psalm 119, and we don't have the author, it's not given to us. Whoever wrote this beautiful Hebrew poetry, uh, included in it several prayers. And one was to God, listen, this is a wonderful book. Would you please help me to understand it? Open my eyes. That is illumination. Give me, God, illumination. You'll notice, open my eyes that I may behold uh, wonderful things. That I may behold wonderful things. This refers to interpretation. Lord, help me to understand here what it is you're trying to tell me. What is it here? What, what are these wondrous things that you have put into your word uh, for me to understand? Uh, that's interpretation. It goes on to say, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things from your law. This refers to inspiration. This is God's word. These are God's precepts. These are God's testimonies. These are God's statutes. These are God's commandments. These are God's judgments. This is God's word. These are God's ordinances. It's his law. It's inspired. It, it's literally his words. Now, men wrote them down, but you'll notice verse 13, all the ordinances of your mouth. These are his words. Verse 16, I shall not forget your word. Now, we're going to look at those three ideas, um, and we're going to look at them, uh, we're going to work our way backwards, okay? So the first thing we're going to deal with here, for us to appreciate the scripture and to anticipate that it actually has something to say to us is the word inspiration. Inspiration comes from God. Inspiration comes from God. Again, it's your law, the psalmist says, writing to God. It's your word. Now, when I say inspiration, I want to be clear. Inspiration is not meaning that it was written in a, cl in a clever way or by a brilliant person. You know, occasionally I'll, 
I'll, I'll, I'll, I'll prepare a lesson or a sermon that I particularly think, man, that was, that was, for my standards, that was pretty good. I felt inspired to write it. But I don't mean I was inspired by the Holy Spirit like we mean when we talk about the Bible. Divine inspiration is not the same as human inspiration. In other words, we might say, man, that guy Shakespeare, he was inspired. I mean, the things he wrote, uh, he showed a human genius that obviously not many others have shown. Uh, or Mozart, when he composed, he was, he was inspired. But the truth is, when we talk about the Bible's inspired, we're not, we're not talking about coming from the, the inside of the person. We're talking about coming outside from God. Right? The word inspiration means breathed out. God breathed these things out. Um, it doesn't mean that God gave the writers a general idea and then they took it and ran with it. That they took it and expanded upon it. That's not what inspiration means. It's not, the emphasis is not on the human part of inspiration. Some people think that the inspiration comes in the reading that, well, the Bible's man's word, but God gives them meaning as you, as you read through them. And again, that's another way of saying you're inspired. Okay. That the inspiration comes as you read the text. It inspires you. That's not what we mean by inspiration. It doesn't mean that the writers were simply robots. That's, a, that's an accusation that's often directed towards uh, biblical conservatives who believe in the inspiration and, and, and inerrancy of the scripture. Well, you think they were just robots and, you know, Paul just sat down and God just told him what's right. He wrote it down. That's not, that's not what we mean either. Here is the definition uh, by which I would say uh, inspiration is. Inspiration is God's superintendence of the human authors so that Using their own individual personalities, they composed and recorded without error his revelation to man in the works of the original autographs. Okay. Um, if the writers were simply robots, um, you know, um, now with technology, you can you can. Uh, transcribe a speech of some kind. You, you can speak it, and then AI will you know, write it, write it down. That's that's not what we believe inspiration is. We believe there's differences between different authors. You can see it as you read their writings. If it was just a robotic, then every book would sound like every other book. But we could see a, a difference uh, between John the Apostle's writing and uh, uh, Peter's writing and. Paul's writing or what Moses wrote, yet what, the, what David wrote. Uh, again, God in his miraculous superintending of the authors used their own individual personalities. Um, there are great differences in the words used. But God used their personalities to give us what he wanted us to know, to reveal to us um, without error, 
his word. Second uh, Timothy three sixteen, all scripture is inspired by God, and because it's inspired by God, it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. It's profitable for what's right, teaching, or what's not right, uh, reproof, for correction, how to get right, and for training in righteousness, how to stay right. But it's, it can do that because it's inspired by God. This is not just another holy book. It's not just another, it's not just among many religious writings or religious philosophies. This is, this is the Orthodox Christian belief. We believe in the Word of God to be God's Word. 2 Peter 1. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever given by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. So the prophecy that we find in Scripture is not up to the writer himself. All right, It was not made by an act of human will, but the Holy Spirit inspired them gave them the words gave them the words to write so we call this inspiration so again why should you read the bible because it's god's word to you my pastor said so many times and i know i've copied it many times uh, the bible is from god to you for right now the bible's from god to you for right now god has god has given you a book God has given you wisdom. God has given you understanding. He has given you what you need to know. That's inspiration. The second word that we are looking at here is interpretation. Interpretation. Uh, interpretation comes from context. Comes from context. You may have heard said that uh, the three uh, keys to proper interpretation is what? As I've told you before, I'm going to put that on my tombstone. <laughs> now, you know, people who don't know me will walk by there and think, what in the world is that guy talking about? You know why they won't know? They won't have any context to know. <laughs> so we're going to do a little exercise here. Okay, a little exercise in context. Now I use this in other settings. So some of you have seen this. Okay. But I but if I was to ask you, what do I mean by the word trunk? Now some of you have heard this before. Don't blurt out the answer. What do I mean by the word trunk? Am I talking about the base of a tree? Right? Tree trunk? Am I talking about the nose of an elephant? Elephant's trunk? Am I talking about a large storage compartment of a car? Right? We're going to have trunk or tree. Is that what I'm talking about? Am I talking about a large box with a hinged lid? Like uh, Davy's uh, Crockett's or no, um, Davy Jones' locker, you know, the, the uh, a treasure chest? Am I talking about an enclosed shaft or conduit for, for cables? <clears throat> 
I'm talking about, am I talking about a, a, a person's body apart from the limbs and the head? I know that's gruesome, but that's what you would call it, right? Watch CSI. Okay. <laughs> am I talking about the main part of an artery from which smaller branches arise? Is that the trunk I'm talking about? Now, that's, that's a legitimate definition of trunk. Or am I talking about swimming shorts for a one-legged man? He does have trunks. He has a trunk. Okay. Well, you, so my point here is, you have no idea what I mean by the word trunk. Do you? No. So I'll give you a sentence. Ready? That's the biggest trunk I have ever seen. Okay? That's the biggest trunk I have ever seen. Are we on the next one? Next slide. Okay. So, am I talking about the base of a tree? Well, it could be, right? There's some big trees. Am I talking about the nose of an elephant? Well, again, I'm sure there's some big-nosed elephants, right? Am I talking about a storage compartment of a car? I, I've told you this years ago. We had a grand marquee. We got it from my parents. We were in our 30s, but everybody on grand marquees were in their 70s. And one of the selling parts for a grand marquee was it had the biggest trunk made in America. Right? It did. We loved it when it was grocery shopping time. The, but we came to realize that the reason it had the biggest trunk made in America was all the owners had walkers and wheelchairs. And they needed a big trunk to carry those around. Okay. Am I talking about a large box with a hinged lid? That's the biggest trunk I've ever seen. Well, it could be. An enclosed shaft of conduit uh, uh, for cables. Well, that, there's bigger ones than others, yes. A person's a body apart from limbs and head. Well, I don't mean to be rude, but yeah, there's people with bigger trunks than other people. I mean, you know. Is it the main part of an artery from which smaller branches arise? Well, that, you could have large arteries. I probably do not. Mine are probably very thin. And we'll get rid of the swimming trunks for a one-legged man. Okay, we'll, we'll scratch that. All right, so here's my point. What do I mean by trunk? I say, well, I need some context. Well, I'll give you a sentence. It's the biggest trunk I've ever seen. Did that help? No. All right. What's third? What if I add this sentence? I could get a lot of junk in that trunk. I could get a lot of junk in that trunk. It's the biggest trunk I've ever seen. Well, am I talking about a base of a tree? Probably not, right? Probably not. Um, am I talking about the nose of an elephant? Probably not. That'd be kind of gross. Uh, a storage compartment of a car? Well, I could get a lot of junk in that trunk, yeah. A large box with a hinged lid? Sure, get a lot of junk in that box. And a closed shaft or conduit for cables. Well, you could put a lot of junk in it. I don't know why you, you would. A person's body apart from limbs and head, I don't think that would work. Can't get a lot of junk in that. The main part of an artery from which smaller branches arise. I'm not going to rule it out, but that would seem very unusual. So we have a word, and now we have two sentences. That's the biggest trunk I've ever seen. I can get a lot of junk in that trunk. Can you tell me what I mean by trunk? Not yet. But what if it's in a paragraph? That's the biggest trunk I've ever seen. I can get a lot of junk in that trunk. Then I will store it in the basement. 
Now which trunk am I talking about? A box. There's a big box. I fill it with junk. I put it in the basement. That's what I meant by trunk all along. You just didn't know it. What did you need? Context. Right? Context. This is the key to interpretation. Um, con uh, interpretation is both a science and an art. I will admit this. Um, interpretation is both a science because it follows rules and an art because it's the application of those rules. Okay. Um, Ezra 7.10 For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it and to teach his statutes and ordinances in Israel. So before he could practice it and before he could teach it he needed to study it. He needed to understand it. Um, did I put 2 Timothy 2, 15? Yes. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. So interpretation comes from context. I can't just, I, I preached, I, I taught a Sunday school series a few years ago, um, and I didn't, create this title. I've seen it a lot of places, but I like it. Uh, don't just read a Bible verse. Don't read a Bible verse. Pastor Greg, what do you, ain't you just shooting your sermon in the foot? Don't read a Bible verse? No, don't read a Bible verse. Read a passage. Read a chapter. If it's a small book, read the whole book. But one verse alone, one sentence is not enough. It's not enough. There's no context. Well, what are the rules then if it's a science before it's an art? Interpret the words according to their normal, historical, grammatical context. What did the words mean when the author wrote them down? This is so important. Get, get a, get, an English dictionary alone is not enough. It'll tell you what the translators think. But a Bible dictionary is much better. Um, again, you can do word studies. There's all kinds of tools you can use. You don't, you don't need them. What you need to do is just look at, at their context to understand what is being said here. The Bible, um, the Bible can't mean what it never meant. This is my biggest pet peeve, probably. Okay, it, 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 and you've all experienced it. Then some, and we've probably all been guilty of it. Well, this mean, what's that mean to you? What's this mean to me? I don't really care what it means to you. What did it mean? Right? The Bible cannot mean what it never meant. So what did it mean then? What did it mean when they wrote it? What the, we, we like to talk the original audience. When the original audience read Psalm 119, what did those words mean to them? Um, just because we take it literal, it's normal historical grammatical context, we allow for figures of speech. You know, sometimes the accusation is, oh, you're so literal. Uh, you, you know, you, you don't allow for figures of speech. Well, sure, sure we do. We realize that when it says my God is a rock, that he's not really a rock, right? I, I, think, I, can, I think I can understand that. When it says, you know, God, want, God wanted to gather 
Israel under its wings like a chick. I know that God's not a chicken. Right? Um, again, we, we allow for figures of speech. But we don't allow that to be an excuse to say, well, that's what he said then, but, you know, this is how we're going we're gonna to look at it. We're going to interpret it. Um, big picture first. Um, the Bible, went, again, how do we get context? We start big and we get small. It's like a funnel. We look at the Bible as a whole. We look at that particular book of the Bible. We look at that chapter. We look at that paragraph. We look at that sentence. Now we can look at the word. That's proper context. So first, what do we know about the Bible? Before I try to figure out what he said here in, in this verse, what do I know about the Bible as a whole? What do I know about the book of the Bible that I'm reading? What do I know about the chapter that it's written in? And what's the paragraph that surrounds it? And then one other thing, God's revelation was revealed progressively as the Bible was progressively written. Um, now, I, I often say that all good theology starts in Genesis, and it does. But not everything we need to know is in Genesis, right? Uh, we need uh, more authors as time progressed to reveal more of the truth to us. As Paul talked about the mystery that was revealed to him, that Gentiles uh, and Jews could be in the same body, in the same church. This was a mystery uh, that, that was revealed later. <clears throat> the Jewish uh, prophets didn't understand it. And even the disciples didn't understand it until God revealed it to the Apostle Paul. So, progress, so, so um, Revelation is progressive. God didn't dump everything we needed to know in the first chapter of Genesis or in Genesis alone or in the, the, the Pentateuch, the first five books or the historical books or the major prophets or the minor prophets or the Gospels or the book of Acts or the epistles. It was progressive. And we need to follow. We, we can't uh, build our interpretation and our belief on what was uh, only said once at the beginning without seeing what else is said throughout Scripture. So that's interpretation. Now, I don't want to scare you off. That's why we get to this last point. Illumination. Illumination comes from the Holy Spirit. Illumination comes from the Holy Spirit. What did the psalmist say? Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Open my eyes so I can understand what you've written to me. God wants us to understand his word. He didn't purposely cloud it. He didn't purposely uh, um, uh, make it ob obscure or obtuse. He, he wants us to grow from it, to to use it to safeguard ourselves from sin. Verse 11, your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. So God has given us something to help us understand it. Now, again, um, 
not everybody is as, a, is a, as skilled at interpreting scripture as everybody else. That's one reason why we have pastors and teachers. I admit that. But we all have something besides that. We have the Holy Spirit. If we're believers, we have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. And it starts by praying. Open my eyes, the psalmist said. Martin Luther said, to pray well is to study well. Now again, believe me, Martin Luther didn't stop at prayer. He, he left us a lot of uh, doctrinal teaching. Um, but he himself said to pray well is to study well. This is a supernatural book that needs supernatural help. I've known unbelievers. I've read unbelievers who know the Bible better than I do. They just don't believe it. I read about a man many years ago who had a, you know, a, a photographic memory, I guess we'd call it, who had memorized the whole New Testament. And he was an atheist. Right? What was he lacking? What, what do we need? Uh, we need supernatural help. To the world, the word is foolishness. And basically it's because they can't understand it because they don't have the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Next now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But the natural man does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand it because they are spiritually appraised. We have an advantage. We have the author of the word that lives inside of us. That should, number one, make us a little bit more compassionate towards non-believers, right? When, we, we, when it's so obvious to us, right? You know, when you, when you want to take your Bible and hit them over the head, but listen, they don't have the Holy Spirit. You do. Now, the sad thing is they don't have it. They, were, they're with, they, they have an excuse. You don't. You, you're without excuse. You, you can understand this. You need this. So what do we mean by uh, Illumination. The work of God in the lives of believers to make us able to believe and understand the words of the Bible. The work of God in the lives of believers to make us able to believe, open mine eyes, <laughs> understand the words of the Bible. Open my eyes, open thou my eyes, I may behold wondrous things from thy law. The Spirit speaks 
through the scriptures. This is this is not a in, uh, contemporary Christianity um, always accepted. The Spirit speaks through the scriptures. How does the Spirit speak? Through the Bible, through the scriptures. We seem to have a lot of people that want script, want the Spirit to speak outside of Scripture. I don't need the Scripture. Please don't confuse me with the facts of the Scripture. This is what I feel. This is what I've been told. God speaks to us today through the words of Scripture. It does not give illumination. When I say illumination, it does not give new truth. It does not give new truth, but it gives truth its power. God is not going to inspire me with new truth. All right? He's not going to give me more Bible. Uh, he's given me his truth. What I need is to understand it. What I need is to allow the Holy Spirit to, to energize it, to empower me through it. You can be assured that God can and will speak to you through his word. As you pray and read the Bible, it has the power to change your life. You have to take advantage of it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Now, Lord, I, I again, I understand. We all read at different levels. Um, some of us don't read as well as others. I understand that. And I also understand that in your grace, you have now given us the ability to hear the word of God. We can listen to it in our cars. We can listen to it at work. We can listen to it while we're, we're, we're jogging. We can listen to it while we mow the grass. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We, we can benefit from hearing the word. Yes, we need to hear it taught. Again, we have so many options of listening to sermons and lessons, God. Not all of equal value, I will admit. But Lord, you know, we, ha we, we, we have so many opportunities to take in the word of God, and yet we are probably the generation that has done it the least. So, Father, I would pray that you would convince us that this is your word and that we can understand it and that you've given us the Holy Spirit to do so. I pray.